0: Chapter 39 of Snarled Identities This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Hampton. Snarled Identities by Nicholas Carter Chapter 39 Cray's Lips Are Unsealed Despite his eagerness to see his friend Cray and to get on the fugitive's trail, Nick remained at the house long enough to draft a telegram to the warden of Clinton Prison, asking for further details concerning the supposed death of Green Eye Gordon and the escape of one of the prisoners on the night of the fire. The message was given to the butler, who was asked to phone it at once to the telegraph office. They may have facts up there which they have been keeping from the public, Nick explained, Even seemingly valueless facts may assume great importance in the light of what's happened down here, for that matter. Meanwhile, one of Nick's fastest cars had been ordered around, and now the familiar honk-honk was heard. There's the machine, Nick announced. Come on. It was plain to be seen that both Nick and his assistant were laboring under unusual excitement. The chauffeur was instructed to push the car to the lawful limit, and although he did so with his usual skill, the detective seemed to think the car was creeping. For miles and miles they had to traverse the streets of the city which stretched out northward to the confines of the Bronx, and not until they were past did they feel free to risk a faster pace, and even then they had to slow down through the frequent villages. It was not in reality a long drive, however, and in less time than Griswold had made the trip the morning before, they had covered the distance the chauffeur had slowed down considerably before entering the village of new pelham but they were still going at a rapid rate and griswold was obliged to raise his voice for his final instructions to the chauffeur the top of the hill he called out leaning forward and pointing while he held his hat on with the other hand the usually easy-going millionaire was having some unusual experiences and had been pretty thoroughly shaken up in more ways than one Straight up the hill that led from the heart of the village, the great car raced, and Griswold added that it was the last house. A few moments later, the machine came to an abrupt but quiet stop in front of number 31, Floral Avenue. Quickly, the three men alighted and hurried through the gate. The door was opened almost immediately by the maid, and behind her stood Dr. Lord, who had evidently been impatiently awaiting Griswold's arrival. The doctor looked inquiringly at the others. Carter, shake hands with Dr. Lord, he said informally. Doctor, this is Nick Carter, and this is Chick Carter, his assistant. I'm very glad, the young physician said heartily, as he acknowledged the detective's greeting. Frequently during the patient's long stupor, Mr. Carter, he mumbled your name. Just how is he? Nick asked eagerly, and, for the moment, concern for his friend weighed with him more than anything else. He's better, was the reply. "'He has taken the turn that I hoped for, and now, although he may be laid up for some time, I think I may safely say that the danger is over. You must not see him for long, however, and you'd better come at once. I've been afraid that he might lapse into unconsciousness again before Mr. Griswold could get here.' "'You have questioned him as I suggested,' the millionaire put in as they moved toward the door of the room in which Cray was lying. "'Yes,' was the answer. "'But he's stubborn. He refuses to tell me anything.' said he would do so if he felt himself losing consciousness again, but that he wanted to say what he had to say directly to Mr. Griswold if possible. They had reached the door of the room by that time, and Lord stepped aside to allow the others to enter. A nurse in a trim, crisp uniform was sitting beside the couch, but Rose and faced herself quietly, thus giving Nick his first unobstructed view of his friend. The burly detective seemed to fill the narrow couch, and yet he appeared somehow shrunken. His face was still very pale, and the big hairy hand that lay on his chest had a suggestion of helplessness about it. Cray turned his head slowly and looked toward the door. Instead of seeing merely the millionaire as he had anticipated, he beheld two other visitors and identified them after a moment or two. Mr. Carter, he exclaimed weakly, and Chick, too. Is it really you this time, Carter? This is more than I had hoped for. He tried to raise himself on one elbow, but sank back faintly. "'Lie still, old fellow,' Nick said, quietly stepping forward and taking Cray's hand. "'You are gaining and must hold on to what you have gained. Take your time, though, about—' "'I can't take my time, Carter,' Cray said, feverishly clutching at his friend's hands with both of his. "'This isn't the worst yet. It was gordon green Eye Gordon—who did this to me, and he's made off with two suitcases crammed full of gold coins.' Nick saw that it would be necessary to cut the interview short, but he wished to test Cray if possible. It may be that Jack had forgotten about the fire and the reports of Gordon's death. If he were reminded of that, he might not be so sure about the identity of his assailant. But Gordon is dead, you know, burned to death in prison, Nick said quietly. No, no, don't you believe it, Carter, the patient insisted. There's no mistake about it. I forgot about all those reports when he struck me. They don't cut any ice. I have thought about them since I woke up, and I am just as sure as ever that it was Gordon. "'What makes you so sure?' inquired Nick. "'He forgot himself when he cursed me,' was the reply. "'And I thought I recognized the voice. "'Then I caught a glimpse of his eyes, and I was sure. "'There's only one man with eyes like that—Cat's eyes. "'They looked green as he glared at me. "'He knows I recognized him, because I said his name just before I got my knockout. "'Probably he thought he had killed me—' "'for I don't believe he would have left me to tell the tale.' "'He paused for a moment, and one hand wandered weakly to his injured head. "'I'll never get over the way I was taken in,' he went on more faintly. "'Most humiliating. "'Must say, he's a wonder, though. "'Never imagined anyone could pull off a stunt like that. "'The car is an electric. "'A coupe, two or three years old, I should say. "'The gold was in a couple of suitcases which had been buried in the ground.' Can't tell you any more, I'm afraid. Just about all in, you see. He looked about helplessly, and in a frightened sort of way then, with a sigh, lapsed into unconsciousness once more. End of chapter 39 Recording by Paul Hampton